What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I'm your co-host for today, Simon Villanos, a.k.a. Coach V. I am another one of your co-hosts, Cody Stoffert. And I'm your last co-host, Mason Austin. And welcome to the 2A End of the Year Award Show here. We're going to talk about Newcomer of the Year, um, Offensive Playmaker of the Year, Defensive Playmaker of the Year, Most Valuable Playmaker of the Year. I'm going to go ahead and go over our process real quick. Just in case you didn't listen to our 1A end of the year award show, which, you know, you should go ahead and check out. It's not super long, but basically there's five votes total. Each of us here, there's three of us here um, hosting the show, uh, have one vote. So that's three of the five. And then Anthony Garcia from Mile High Prep Report. He has followed 1A and 2A a whole ton um, this year, obviously. Go ahead and check out his website. He put his picks on there like a couple weeks ago. So if you want to check that out, go for it. He also covers sports, like all sports, for 1A, 2A, 3A, all the small town sports. So if you want to check that out, because I know basketball season is going on right now, go for it. But he is going to be our fourth vote. And then the fifth vote is you, the fans. So basically, whoever won the majority of the fan vote gets the fan vote there and so you the fans did vote on that we appreciate everyone who voted on those polls some of those votes are going to decide who wins some of these awards because it was pretty close here and so we are going to go ahead and hop into newcomer of the year this goes to the best freshman uh performance on the varsity level in two way and so i mean not just one performance but throughout the entire season and so i'm gonna go ahead and throw it to our guy Mason Austin to talk about one of the first uh, finalists for Newcomer of the Year. But Mason, go ahead. Yeah, so for our first finalist, getting 58% of the vote is Ty Reed, quarterback from Delta High School. He had 914 yards, 13 passing touchdowns, and five interceptions. Uh, he completed... 42 out of 80 of his passes which is just over 50 percent and he had a passer uh passing yards of 101 yards per game um that's basically all the stats we have for this guy um he definitely uh got it done for this delta squad i'm gonna go ahead and pass it over to cody to talk about our next guy yeah so thank you mason for filling us on on ty reed a playoff game winning quarterback as a freshman by the way so you know, there's a reason that he has that much clout. But this next guy I'm going to talk about here, I think that he's actually helping turn around the entirety of a program on 2A. And that is Alameda's very own Tez Glover. Now, if you look back at last year, it was it was kind of weird, obviously, because of COVID and whatnot. But Alameda did not win a single game last year. They had to play in a modified Patriot West League and they scored two touchdowns all year. And every team that they faced scored over 47 points. It was a rough year for Alameda football. Flash forward to this year, you know, they're on the up and up. They went three and six, which, you know, it's not it's not a perfect record. It's not a playoff record. However, it is a drastic improvement from last year. And I think that they're gonna continue to trend forward. I think you could tell kind of this season that they got hit by COVID a little bit harder near the end of the season. But, you know, they were able to get some wins this year. And that was in huge part thanks to this freshman, Tez Glover, 
He's a running back and cornerback, but he's here for his cornerback play as a newcomer of the year. He balled out this year. At corner, he had almost 50 tackles, including six for loss, which is just kind of unheard of for a cornerback to play that strong in the run game. So, you know, that was obviously pretty impressive. Not to mention he had three hurries at cornerback. So, you know, they send him on a few slot cornerback blitzes and whatnot. And, you know, that's also part of the reason why he was able to get some of those tackles for loss. And, you know, if you thought, oh, this guy's a run-only corner, he's not. Uh, he had two interceptions, two pass deflections, as well as a caused fumble on the year. So, you know, he kind of did it all at the cornerback position. And, you know, in those games that they won, he played a huge part of it. In their season opening win over Jefferson, he had nine tackles, including one for loss. In their one-point win over Valley High School, who has, you know, a candidate for one of our awards coming up you know he had 14 tackles and two for loss in that game and went just pretty dummy and then in a 55 to 0 win over pinnacle he had five tackles as well and in that jefferson game he had an interception and a pass deflection and in the valley game he had a forced fumble which you know in a one-point game could be the you know game-changing play or what have you in what was a pretty exciting game from the film i watched from the two players by the way and so you know being able to change a program and a culture like that is a huge reason why tez glover is one of our newcomers of the year now i'm gonna pass it on to another guy who's trying to change change a culture in that kind of denver area as a newcomer and uh, Simon, if you want to introduce that player and kind of talk about why he is on our newcomer of the year list. Yeah, so that guy is from D. Evelyn High School, like you said, in Denver, Cody. And that is, and I'm just going to say this right now. I apologize if I say your name wrong. I probably should have messaged you before this. But um, that is defensive end slash lineman, Coffrey uh, Fiadanu. I'm going to just go ahead and call him Fiadanu here. This dude was an entire beast. Um, first off, he's built at 6'2". I don't know how much he weighs, but at 6'2", this kid is a beast. And he um, got snaps on varsity pretty much since the beginning of the season. Their first game, unfortunately, was against a really tough severance team on August 27th. But he got in there, he recorded a tackle, but you know he definitely got stronger down the line as he did finish the season with 50 total tackles. 20 tackles for losses, which you don't see. I, jeez, dude. There's he probably could have been in the you know in our talks for defensive playmaker of the year, but he'll for get three more chances. Yeah, because 20 tackles for losses. I think Ryan Dirksen has that, and that's it. Uh, um, because that's I mean that's absolutely insane to get that many tackles in the backfield. Um, but sack wise, he does have seven sacks including an excellent four-sack performance and one hurry against Englewood, where they beat them 28-26 to in that game. He also had nine total tackles and four tackles for losses. Arguably, that was his coming out party right there. Uh, and then the signature game uh, really early on in the season on September 10th. And then he also had um, – that, that was just the start of his tear as he did go crazy against Thomas Jefferson of 3A school – getting eight tackles, uh, three tackles for losses, also a sack in that game. And then after that one, he would um, basically end his little three-game streak here against Middle Park going crazy. He had 11 tackles, six tackles for losses, 
um, and no sacks in that game, but still a very, very good um, performance throughout the season. You know, he had a lot of tackles for losses, as you just heard, not just in that three-game stretch, but, you know, throughout the whole season. And for, uh, honestly, for a defensive lineman, for any defensive player to do that as a freshman is extremely extremely difficult to do and so you got to give him credit there he's going to be around terrorizing quarterbacks for three more years and so if this is his floor then his ceiling is going to be insane and so there you go there that is um I'm, like i said i apologize if i'm saying your name wrong but that's uh kafri fiadanu the defensive end out of d evelyn and um now mason do you want to talk about our last finalist here before we talk about the breakdown of some of these votes. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to go ahead and talk about our last finalist, Jaden Knorr out of Berthoud High School. He finished his season with 353 rushing yards, five rushing touchdowns, and then 13 total tackles. But if you look at his games, I think his big, you know, kind of coming out party for him was his game against University High School with 214 yards. Um, with a long of a 59-yard rush. So, you know, he definitely got it done in that game. And then, you know, he had some subtle games of, you know, 41 against the Academy and 98 yards against Eaton, which, you know, that Eaton defensive line is not easy to rush through. So that's also, uh, you know, kind of a feat in itself. But if you guys don't mind, is it okay if I go ahead and talk about Anthony Garcia's pick? Actually, you should uh, save his pick for the end here. How about that? Okay, that works. Go ahead. But I'll go ahead with your pick and then talk about the fan vote, though. Okay, so for the fan vote, they did go ahead and vote with 58% for the quarterback, Ty Reed. And I am going to second that. Um, I am also voting for Ty Reed. I think he got it done, you know, on all stages of the ball. And... I think he really, you know, as a quarterback for Delta, he's definitely going to be something to watch out for. Um, I'll pass it off to you, Simon. No, yeah, for sure. Ty Reed was definitely really impressive for me. For me, this one really came down to two players here. Um, Ty Reed, I knew about him all season. Same with Fia Donu. And so they were kind of just going back and forth as the playoffs went on. Well, for Ty Reed as the playoffs went on. And he did have, a, you know, a very good performance. And, you know, honestly, 27 total touchdowns as a freshman, that is really hard to ignore. But I think I'm going to have to go with Fiadonu. I know how hard it is to be a freshman playing on the defensive side of the ball, especially if you're a lineman, um, just because there's a there's an obvious lack of experience there. And, you know, I think that's very hard to do. No disrespect to Ty Reed or anybody else here. Uh, Ty Reed was definitely a very close second, and this one came down to the wire for me. But, Cody, do you want to go ahead and talk about who you who you are picking for newcomer of the year, and then we could talk about the fan vote here. Well, we'll talk about oh, sorry, Anthony's Garcia's. vote. My bad. Yeah, yeah Garcia's well, vote. So, you know, I'm gonna have to go with Fiadanu here. I no disrespect to Ty Reed, but you know, Delta is one of those programs that kind of consistently is is solid. They have great coaching over there. So I think that you know that stability and that kind of elongated success helps out Ty Reed a little bit here uh, over Fiadanu a little bit, just because, you know, last year Delta had, and the year before that, they had uh, Nolan Bynum, 
who I believe I did a breakdown on, actually. So, you know, they do a good job of maximizing their quarterbacks over there at Delta and winning a lot of football games versus Fiadanu kind of kept and in, walked into an uncertain situation and, you know, a situation that still isn't super solidified at De Evelyn. That's I wouldn't necessarily call them a football school. And so I think that he has the capability of turning that around because, you know, these newcomers of the year, they not only did they have a strong performance as a freshman, but also they are going to revolutionize a program or, you know, change a program for the better. And I think that Fiadanu has that capability being, you know, just a stud on that defensive line. And he's only going to get bigger and he's only going to get stronger and he's going to be a menace. And for sure, you know, I mean, look, both of these guys could have honestly been an offensive playmaker or defensive playmaker of the year candidate. So kudos to both of them for having phenomenal seasons. But I'm going to go with uh, defensive here and go with Fiadanu. So should I explain to the fans uh, what what Anthony chose as the tiebreaker? Or does someone else want the pleasure of doing that? Because currently we have the fan vote for Tyreed at 58% and the and Mason's vote for Tyreed. So that's two votes here. Then Simon and I both voted for Fiadanu, who, by the way, had 30% of the vote. So he was the second closest anyway. Yeah. Did Anthony it, take Cody. the fan side or the defense or our side? The answer is that Anthony took the fan side here and voted for Tyreed. Totally understandable. Like Simon said, 27 touchdowns as a freshman is ridiculous. Like uh, 14 rushing touchdowns. That's amongst even the rushing leaders. Um in to a football and then 13 passing touchdowns, five picks. I mean, his touchdown to INT ratio is already better than Bynum, who was the two-year starter. Um, it's still early for career totals and whatnot, but nonetheless, Delta is going to have a good one and will be contending for a championship in the next few years with Ty Reed at the helm. There you go. Congrats to uh, Delta quarterback Ty Reed. Super excited to watch him uh, play next year. Hoping to catch a game for sure, because I personally think they might be able to push for one in this next year. So we will see about that. But a lot of exciting freshmen here between Tyree, Tez Glover, Fiadon for sure, Jaden Nor, even, you know, he had some great performances against some pretty stout teams. And so this is a very strong uh, newcomer of the year class finalist list here that we uh, got to put together for the two way level. So it's in Congratulations good hands. to everyone who, uh, may who was a candidate for this um yes because this one we actually kind of had to whittle down a little bit more i'd say than 1a uh so you know congratulations and like simon said excited to see these guys over the next few years but uh with all that being said uh we're gonna talk about you know some of these guys in the next category will be coming back next year and some of these guys will be graduating coming up offensive playmaker of the year Hey, how's it going, everyone? And welcome back to the Playmakers Corner podcast. We're going to go ahead and talk about the Offensive Playmaker of the Year, and I'm going to start with quarterback Walker Martin out of Eaton High School. He had uh, 1,335 passing yards, 19 passing touchdowns, eight interceptions with 560 rushing yards and nine touchdowns. Um, Some of his signature games were definitely... um, against university in the playoffs he had 261 yards earlier in the season against severance he had 102 yards 
And then the academy, he passed for 106 yards and three touchdowns in that game. Not to mention in that university game, he did pass for five touchdowns, which is insane. That's that's a, you know, did he win playmaker of the week for that? Or did we have that? Wait, which week? Uh, the university week, right before the state final. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. He, he let loose like three long bombs to start off that game. Yeah, it says his long for that one is 80, so... Yeah. <laughs> the other two are 60 and 50, so yeah. yeah. He's definitely not a slouch when it comes to, you know, throwing the rock. And so, you know, rushing-wise, his top rushing game was definitely against Elizabeth with 85 yards, and then he had one game against Resurrection Christian with 57 yards. So, you know, he definitely gets it done when he has to with his feet, but his arm is definitely what gets him there. Um... I'm going to go ahead and pass it off to Cody uh, for our next Offensive Playmaker of the Year. Yeah, so I'm going to talk about Kale Schaefer here out of Bayfield. He's just kind of a do-it-all running back for this Bayfield team. He had over 1,000 yards of scrimmage, including 780 out of the backfield, as well as over 300 for rushing. And he had 14 touchdowns just on the offensive side of the ball between rushing and catching the ball. Not to mention, you know, he was able to chip in a little bit on special teams and whatnot, as well as, you know, just uh, helping with conversions. But this Bayfield team, you know, I did a preview of them in the preseason. I was wondering, where were these guys last year? You know, how come I didn't hear about them? Because they have so many great athletes over there, including the likes of Kale. And... You know, they struggled last year with COVID and Kale was a huge part of this turnaround where, you know, they went seven and two this year and, you know, lost in the playoffs to Elizabeth in a very tough game. But they still ran the table in their league going undefeated in league play. And a huge part of that was Kale Schaefer, obviously, you know, in some of those league games like against Alamosa. He had 129 yards rushing and a touchdown, not to mention one reception for 33 yards. In Pagosa Springs, who was the, you know, 2A Southwestern Conference winner last year. So taking the crown from Pagosa Springs, Kale went off this game. You know, he had three receptions for 80 yards and two touchdowns, not to mention another 62 yards on the ground and a rushing touchdown. So, you know. On just 10 carries, he accounted for 18 points and, you know, 140 yards against, you know, I think a usually solid or at least consistent Pagosa Springs team on this level of football. So, you know, that was huge for him to kind of say, hey, like there's a changing of the guard here in this conference and in this league, and I'm going to let you know about it. So, you know, just a phenomenal year. Some other games where he kind of popped off included, you know, in the Aztec game, he ran the ball 12 times for 164 yards and four scores. So a third of his touchdowns coming in that one game. But I mean, on the year, he averaged seven yards per carry. So it's not like he, you know, disappeared really. And, you know, he had an average reception of 13.3 yards per catch. So, you know, overall solid year, do it all kind of player. Helped Bayfield, you know, put on an impressive league-winning season. You know, this next player also helped their team win a league title. And I'm going to let Simon talk about it because it's in his neck of the woods, if you would, Coach V. 
Yeah, and so I'm going to talk about TCA's very own Cade Palmer. This dude was a beast. He's been a beast for the last couple of years. Definitely somebody who could have made our MVP list, um, at least in my opinion, just because he really was the focal point for this TCA offense. Like I said, not just this year, but basically for the last three to four years because he's been turning up last year unfortunately you know uh, didn't end the way they wanted to in state they lost a rifle but he did have near 300 rushing yards and multiple touchdowns in that game plus you know like a solid like i want to say like 40 or 50 receiving yards something like that maybe a little bit more but that was last year this year he picked it back up and was the focal point for this tca offense as he was a big reason why they were a contender you know throughout this whole year and so on the season only had 123 carries which is not a lot it's not the most amount of carries a workhorse back could have but he did have 1541 rushing yards 23 rushing touchdowns also snagged four passes for 41 yards only had one fumble this season and that's one he lost unfortunately against severance in the playoffs but other than that you know a very clean season for Cade Palmer another iconic season for the TCA star Cade Palmer here some notable games um, versus Elizabeth I think at the time Elizabeth was 2-0 he went crazy against them had 173 rushing yards and a touchdown on only 11 carries um the most carries he actually had all season was 17 so he never even hit 20 carries this entire season or 20 touches um this entire season but those 17 carries was against lombar he had 17 carries for 178 rushing yards three rushing touchdowns they would destroy lamar 70 to 13 in that game um, against Woodland Park the next week, this was another iconic game. He only had nine carries. Just keep that in mind. So he only touched the ball nine times, or sorry, ten times against Woodland Park because he had a reception for 23 yards. But on nine carries, he had 237 rushing yards, four rushing touchdowns. That means half of his touches went for touchdowns in that game against Woodland Park. And then last but not least, against Manitou Springs, I was actually at this game. Um, he had a chance to break the rushing touchdown record, but I want to say TCA kind of slowed up and pulled him out before the fourth quarter even happened. And so in three quarters, he had 12 uh, carries for 168 rushing yards and five rushing touchdowns in that excellent game. And so there you go. That's Kay Palmer. He's also the only player on the 2A level that I think is going to a D1 in Air Force. So he'll be joining Alec Falk and um, um, yeah, his brother there first off as well. And so there you go. Congrats to Kate Palmer and whatnot. I'm not even going to lie. I know I've been really critical of TCA, but I have never been critical of Kate Palmer. This dude is a beast. He's always done his thing, you know. And um, yeah, I mean, there's no big surprises here, but it's uh, not exactly a huge surprise that he's an offensive playmaker of the year candidate or finalist here but cody do you want to talk about another guy who is uh you know there's no surprises why he's an offensive playmaker of the year candidate yeah sure thing so you know isaiah elliott is who i'm going to be talking about now out of the academy that is located in westminster and he lit it up this year honestly he and he's going to be a threat next year because he's only a junior so keep that in mind, at 5'11", 175 pounds, there wasn't anything that Isaiah couldn't do. 
He threw for 1,519 passing yards, 16 touchdowns. And then on the ground, he added another 591 rushing yards and 10 touchdowns. So 26 touchdowns on the year, over 2,000 yards from scrimmage. And yeah, he was just a dog. You know, I watched his film actually, you know, well, I watched all these guys film when deciding who was going to be my offensive playmaker of the year because, you know, stats don't tell the whole story. But for, you know, Elliot here, stats don't tell the whole story because, you know, you see 500 yards and you're like, OK, you know, that's somewhat similar to to a Walker Martin, you know. But man, he's so freaking fast. Like when he sticks his foot in the ground there, you better be in front of him because he's going up field and he's going up field in a hurry. He's just so fast and his ability to extend plays and, you know, find the open guy downfield is also phenomenal. You know, I think he's a guy who's going to have, you know, kind of a uh, a good story kind of year next year where he can really light it up on the scoreboard, but also, you know, potentially be one of the top quarterbacks in the entire state of Colorado. And if you don't know who he is, you got to get him on your radar right now, you know, and so. In this year, in some notable games, he, you know, against Kent Denver, who is another playoff team, he went 17 of 23 for 73% completion percentage and 290 yards, as well as two passing touchdowns, not to mention his 99 yards on the ground and a rushing touchdown. So, you know, he was in takeover mode that game. And I think that 73% is pretty indicative of just his entire year. You know, he was a very efficient passer, nonetheless, at a 69% completion percentage. Nice. And, you know, just overall didn't make a lot of mistakes this year. Even in games against some tough defenses, you know, he played fairly mistake-free football, you know, against a team like University, who is one of the semifinalists this year. You know, he was able to, you know, compete with them in that game and go they lost to university 28 to 41 however in that game he still ran for 67 yards and a touchdown and you know he didn't throw an interception or fumble the ball so playing mistake free football as well even in losses is you know very good to see oh my gosh i don't know how i didn't see this on his stat line against Berthet, he didn't miss a pass he didn't miss a pass. he went 17 of 17 for 130 yards and two passing touchdowns and another 25 yards on the ground. Uh, I don't think he played that whole game, slash he didn't really need to because, I mean, when you start off 17 for 17 passing, you were kind of doing whatever you want to a defense at that point. And Isaiah Elliott just has that ability to inflict his will on defenses and, you know, ball out. And so I'm really excited for what his senior season is going to bring. And, you know, I'd say that the fans were impressed as well by Isaiah Elliott's performance. He actually garnered, what was it, 44% of the vote to win the fan vote and the fans selection for Offensive Playmaker of the Year on this 2A level in the 21 season. And yeah, so congratulations to Elliot for winning the fan vote. And now I'm going to pass it back to Mason Austin to talk about who he voted for the 2A Offensive Playmaker of the Year. Yeah, so for my vote... I went ahead and picked the quarterback, Walker Martin, out of Eaton High School. You know, seeing him in person, um, you saw just kind of how much of a dog he is. Plus, looking at his statistics and everything, I think that he deserves this offensive playmaker of the year. Um, I'm going to pass it off to Simon to see who he chose. Sounds good. Yeah, no, Walker Martin, for me, was definitely up there. I think he was... 
just second behind the guy I picked. And, you know, I, I would just want to make sure I give Walker um, the credit he deserves because this dude, like, he killed it all year. In that semifinal game, the game that decided whether they go to state, also the last game that they would ever play on that football field. So regardless, this game was going to be important to Eden football history. You know, he won the quarterback duel against university's Greg Garza. You know, now, you know, you could you could say like, well, it was raining in the fourth and like Greg might have had another touchdown. That, sure, that's fine. And I have a lot of respect for Greg Garza. He knows we have a lot of love for him. And we'll talk about him coming up here soon. But, you know, Walker Martin, he definitely did a lot in that last game on that field for Eden, which was huge. And, you know, that really impressed me. And throughout the season, he gave Eden a whole nother dimension and made them even more dangerous outside of the rushing game uh, there. So there you go. Just want to give him his respect. But I'm going to have to go with my boy, Kate Palmer, out of TCA from Colorado Springs. I mean, he carried this team. And, you know, TCA, they decided to give him the keys to the car. He led them as far as he could until they played a team like Severance that knew how to shut down a one-person, you know, a one-person machine, uh, basically, over there. But even in that game, he still had about 100 rushing yards. I don't think there was a single game this season he didn't hit 100 rushing yards. Um, so, there you go. Without hit, he didn't even have 20 carries all season as well. It was all below 20 carries, which is absolutely insane. And so, uh, Kate Palmer is my pick there. I'm going to go ahead and talk about Anthony Garcia's pick here for Offensive Playmaker of the Year. But he is going to go ahead and go with Cade Palmer as well for a lot of the same reasons. You know, I remember me and Anthony actually talked about Cade Palmer and TCA throughout this season. Um, you know, just messaging each other as the season went on and seeing his stats grow and seeing how well TCA was doing. Granted, you know, it was against a league that did graduate a lot of players last year, but someone has to step up and dominate to become kings of that league. And so Cade Palmer did that for TCA, and he found a way to get it done. And so obviously that's why Anthony went with Cade Palmer here. Um, like I said, somebody who could have been MVP. But Cody, do you want to go ahead and talk about who you are picking for Offensive Playmaker of the Year? Yeah, you know, it's very tempting to make things messy here with one player sitting at two votes and the other two players who I'd vote for sitting at a vote apiece. And, you know, shout out to Kale Schaefer and that entire Bayfield team and, you know, what he and that Bayfield team accomplished this year. Shout out to Walker Martin for helping Eaton win another state championship and, you know, closing out that Eaton legacy at that field with a dub, as Simon alluded to. And, you know, also shout out to Isaiah Elliott being the do-it-all kind of, you know, the heart of that academy team in Westminster. However, I'm going to keep things boring and I'm going to have Cade Palmer be my offensive playmaker of the year. He just is so smooth. He's just a smooth running back. And that's something that, you know, I, I loaded up the film in the first run right away. Grabbed my attention like, oh, his change of direction is easy. He, he does the everything Cade does looks so easy. And, you know, I think that he just had a phenomenal year for this TCA team. I mean, they went undefeated in the regular season, mind you. And a huge part of that is because of Cade Palmer and just what he's able to do. Not only is he a smooth runner and a fast runner, he's pretty strong, too. He'll lower his shoulder and go through somebody, too. And, I mean, you look at 
crazy game. I mean, like Simon said, he didn't ever have over 17 carries this entire year and still managed to run for over 1,500 yards because he averaged 12 yards per freaking carry. That's stupid. Like, those are straight up video game Madden numbers. I don't say that often because I think it's said a little too much, but that is straight out of a video game. I mean, 123 carries, 1,500 yards. Look, if you're a college, you need to recruit this guy because he's still fresh. He didn't get, you know, burnt up in high school carrying the ball 200, 300, 400, 500, 600, you know, 700 times. He's ready to go. So I'm going to vote for Cade Palmer here. Oh, and he's going to Air Force is what Simon is informing me as of right now. And uh, they're going to get a great running back there, honestly. And I think that he'll excel in their system. So uh, congratulations to Kate Palmer on that commitment, we're going to say, on the air. And congratulations to Kate Palmer for winning our Playmakers Corner 2A Offensive Playmaker of the Year in this uh, Fall 21 season. Now, coming up next, we're going to be talking Defensive Playmaker of the Year. Hi, all Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Cody Stoffer, joined here by Coach V and Mason Austin talking about our Playmakers of the Year on the 2A level. And on this segment, we're going to be talking Defensive Playmakers of the Year. And I'm going to start off this segment with our number five senior linebacker, which if you've not listened to our top five 2022 senior linebackers list, go ahead and give that a listen. Because at number five, we had Cody Connor at a Faith Christian High School located in Arvada. And he played phenomenal this year. He actually led the entire state in tackles for all of Colorado, at least on the one through 5A level, with 147 tackles. And yeah, he was the heart and soul of this defense. On top of that, he had 27 tackles for loss including a four-game streak to end the year in league play where he had 19 tackles for loss in four games. So, you know, he was playing crazy in those games. Not to mention he can also, you know, get some sacks. He had four sacks this year as well as two hurries. And then, you know, in the pass game, he's not a liability really too much either. He had an interception and a pass deflection. But really, his bread and butter was playing in the run game as evidenced by all those tackles, all those tackles for loss, you know, three fumble recoveries, two forced fumbles, and just everything he was able to do for this Faith Christian team. He just, he was the heart and soul of that team. I can't stress it enough. And not to mention, he's a smart kid. You know, he has a 4.15 GPA, a 31 ACT. Now we're we talk football, but really it's what you do in the classroom as well is just as, if not more important. So shout out to Cody there for being an absolute stud in both the you know film room and being a small, smart football player and then in the classroom, paying attention in class and whatnot. And what an incredible story, honestly. You know, I actually got to talk to Cody in our DMs and you know he agreed with everything that we had to say basically and explained himself a little bit that he actually was recovering over the summer from a torn meniscus before leading the state in tackles. And that is just insane. He even said, I got cleared a day before the season started, which was two months ahead of schedule. So he went from, he put in the work over the summer 
And, you know, recovering from any injury is really hard. But, you know, I love the story that he has here that not only he recovered, he recovered way ahead of schedule and then went on to lead the entire state in tackles. And, you know, wasn't playing, I'd say, at 100 percent for for this past football season and still balled out. Not only, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, he's a defensive playmaker of the year candidate. But in addition, you know, he was also running the football for this faith Christian team and ran for 436 yards and nine touchdowns. So as far as usage goes, he had one of the highest usage rates, I'd say, in probably all of 2A and still, you know, still remained healthy, A, on not 100% health and B, performed. So shout out to Cody Connor at a faith Christian. What an incredible season he had for this faith Christian team. And now I'm going to pass it off to Simon to talk about another guy who is kind of a, a heart of sorts and, uh, you know, an enforcer for his defense. Yeah, speaking of uh, top five players, he just barely missed our top five safeties list. So narrowly. Yeah. So narrowly. It was extremely close. And I I really wanted him to He probably, he, he's, a, he's a top five guy. He's a top five guy. I'm yeah. willing to say that after the postseason. Yeah. No, for sure. I mean, he killed it, dude. Honestly, he had so many big performances for the Severance team. And that is Caden Donovan, the senior safety for Severance. I mean, you know, first off, this Severance team, our all football program, is like three years old. And so he is obviously one of the founding members of this team and is why they have such a strong culture already, such a strong defensive culture. Like, you know, when Severance comes to town, they finna hit you and they finna play very disciplined and good defense. And Caden Donovan, he was kind of one of those leaders over there. And also this Severance team had a lot of players that, um, you know, just didn't make our list here for Defensive Playmaker of the Year because, you know, we didn't want four players from Severance making our Defensive Playmaker of the Year list, which is what almost would have happened, or maybe not four, probably three, if, um, you know, you know, if we allowed more than two in here. And so there you go there. But on the season, Caden Donovan, first off, played both sides of the ball. He also had 500 receiving yards and eight touchdowns. Sorry, almost 600 receiving yards and eight touchdowns. But on the defensive side of the ball, had 114 total tackles, um, had six interceptions, two pass deflections, uh, two fumble recoveries, had three forced fumbles, which by the way, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I believe one of those forced fumbles was against our offensive playmaker of the year, Cade Palmer, um, in that TCA playoff game where they went to Colorado Springs and upset arguably the number one offense in the entire state. Uh, and so let me talk about kind of some of his signature games here because he did have a lot against Resurrection Christian. They lost this one 14 to 24, but he did have 15 total tackles against Rez. Um, and then I don't believe he forced any turnovers there, but still 15 tackles against a tough team. Gotta give him respect there. Against Eden, now the scoreboard doesn't reflect how close this game was. They did lose 31 to 0, but and their defense did come down to three uh, goal line stands here that they just simply didn't win. And so that's how that game turned out. But in that game, he had 22 total tackles. 18 of those were solo tackles, which is, geez, man, that's hard to do because Eden has a very good offensive line and very good running backs too, multiple. So 
There you go there. And then finally against TCA, this was the big upset where they did travel down to Colorado Springs. Eight total tackles in that game. Had that forced fumble, like I said. Also had the interception that would seal that game and put away TCA for good. And move on to the next round where unfortunately they did lose the brush. Still got a forced fumble and an interception in that game against Brush as well. But, you know, Caden Donovan definitely did his thing all year. You know, he does it all. You know, he's a ball hawk. He hits hard. He's just one of those dudes that comes out there and he's ready to work. And he's one of the reasons why this severance uh, culture is the way it is and will hopefully be the way it is for the next couple of years. And that is a tough defense with a bunch of playmakers all around with him being one of the founding members of that team so there you go Caden Donovan from Severance now I'm gonna go ahead and throw it back to Cody to talk about another defensive playmaker of the year finalist yeah and this one is you know still in the secondary but at the cornerback position talking about Giovanni Mendoza out of Valley High School located in Gilcrest Colorado and you know he was balling this year honestly i actually watched his film while looking at the top five cornerbacks list and i'd say that he's definitely an honorable mention in that case because you know this year in the secondary he had eight interceptions across you know uh, five different games which is insane you know including three games where he had two interceptions apiece and you know just being so explosive after catching the football you know on those interceptions, he was actually able to take three of those to the house. So, you know, almost 50% of his interceptions ended up being points. Not to mention, you know, on special teams, he did take two kickoff returns to the house. And he's just an incredible athlete for this Valley team. But talking about some great performances, you know, he had two interceptions against Alameda for 49 return yards. And then in a game against Wiggins, which I know is a 1A school, but they're a dang good 1A school with their, you know, offensive playmaker and defensive playmaker of the year winners over there. Please listen to that episode for more on those guys. But, you know, he did have a pass deflection and a fumble recovery. So, you know, he's able to, he has a nose for the football is basically what I'm trying to say. And it, it turned into a lot of opportunities for this team. And I think it was especially important in this game against Fort Lupton, where he had two interceptions and 95 interception return yards. That was a win for this Valley team against Fort Lupton. And without Geo's play in that game, who knows if they end up winning that game. So that's Giovanni Mendoza, the speedy defensive back out of Valley. Now I'm going to toss it to Mason Austin to talk about our last defensive playmaker of the year candidate for 21 yeah so i'm gonna go ahead and talk about another uh eaton boy over here uh defensive end ryan dirksen who had 113 total tackles 20 tackles for loss 13.5 sacks two hurries a forced fumble and three uh recovered fumbles on the year But I think one of his biggest things is that in one, two, three, five, six separate games, he had at least 11 tackles this season, being University, Brush, Elizabeth, uh, Berthed, Resurrection, Christian, and Platte Valley. All of them having at least 11, a couple of them more than that. Then 
every single game this year that is recorded on here, uh, he has at least 0.5 of a sack. You know, 13.5 sacks. That's pretty good. Uh, he has a couple games with two. The university game, he has 1.5. In the last game of the season where they did take the state championship, he had two. Um, statistically, def- like defensively, he's pretty insane. He has three fumble recoveries for 55 return yards. And then not to mention that he does get it done on the offensive side of the ball, running it for him. But, you know, he's up for defensive playmaker of the year. Um, I think that is all I have to say on Ryan Dirksen. I think I'm going to go ahead and say Anthony's pick, if that's okay with you guys. Yeah, go for it. Okay, cool. So Anthony did go ahead and pick Ryan Dirksen, and I um, am going to second that with my pick. I think that he got it done for this Eaton squad, and he's definitely the best defensive player on that Eaton squad. Not to say anyone else on Eaton is slouches, because that defense is insane as it was shown in the state championship game. Um, But I definitely think he was their top guy. I think I'm going to go ahead and pass it over to Simon to talk about his votes. Yeah, so um, I'm not even going to lie. I was really close to voting for Ryan Dirksen. I obviously went to the most seeding games this year um, and probably the most football games for a single team this year on the high school level. And so I got to watch him a lot, you know, and I, I know, so know some of the guys around him as well. You know, he's uh, one of those guys that uh, I used to, well, actually, I don't think I used to teach, but he's someone that I'm very familiar with because I have other friends who used to teach him. But, you know, Ryan Dirksen here, definitely a beast, easily one of the reasons why Eden was able to go back to back in that state game. He was absolutely huge. But I think that Eden defense didn't necessarily revolve just around Ryan Dirksen because you also have Morgan Trubet, Lucas Cass, uh, Ryder True, who's only a junior. He might be a guy that could uh, make this list the next year, you know, as a senior. And then, you know, my boy, Brogan Barr, Dirk Duncan. It's a very complete team over there. And so with that, I guess, logic here, I'm actually going to go the other way here and go with Caden Donovan out of Severance. Obviously, they have some players there that you know, uh, helped that Severance defense out a lot. But Caden Donovan, in my opinion, really held down the back end of that defense, didn't allow a lot of big plays there, and kind of just kept everything, you know, short and allowing his teammates to, you know, do do their thing as well. You know, but I'm going to go ahead and vote for Caden Donovan out of Severance. And with that being said, I'm also going to talk about the fan vote here because it was really interesting. And so, let me kind of tell you how it went down here. So about 24 hours before the polls ended, I did post screenshots uh, updating, you know, on our Instagram, just updating uh, where those polls were at the time. Ryan Dirksen was actually leading, I want to say at 33% or something like that. And so I posted that update. I was like, hey, 24 hours until the polls close, make sure you vote on our Twitter um, if you haven't yet just because, uh, I mean, you know, we don't want to miss any votes. And so 24 hours later, Caden Donovan actually pulls ahead in those 24 hours, jumping up by almost 10%, which is pretty insane here. Um, But he did win the fan vote with 38% here. So congrats to Caden Donovan. He did win the fan vote for Defensive Playmaker of the Year. Ryan Dirksen, he wasn't super far away. He had 30%. Giovanni Mendoza had 27%, and then Cody Connor did have 5%. 
there. And so this was a really close poll here. And you know what? I'm going to go ahead and throw it to Cody and we'll see whether that poll mattered or not. <laughs> it matters. It matters. But whether it'll swing this vote or not. So, Cody, who are you picking um, to break this tie here for Defensive Playmaker of the Year? Can I get a drum roll, please? Um, yeah. Mason, can I get a drum roll? No, can no, I get a drum roll? We're not in sync enough for that. Just say, who, <laughs> yeah. say who's going to win it. Go, go uh, for it. Anyways, your Playmaker's Corner 21 Defensive Playmaker of the Year is... Caden Donovan is who I'm going to cast my final vote for here. Caden, you know, all, shout out to Ryan Dirksen, Gio, and Cody. All those guys balled out this year, and there's a reason why they're on this list. You know, you don't just get put on as a candidate because you're just there. You get put on because you were a playmaker all year, so shout out to all those guys. But I'm going to have to give it to Caden. He's somebody who, I mean... Simon said it all, and, you know, the fans said it all with their actions and with their votes. He was just phenomenal this year and crucial to, you know, Severance's run, I think, just in general of everything that he did, both offensively and defensively. But defensively, he's a do-it-all safety, you know, who can intercept passes, he can hit hard, he can play in the box, he can help cover and just play a variety of different things and is, you know, a very true safety through and through and as far as playing your role perfectly Caden did exactly that this year not to mention in that uh I think it was like it's like an east-west kind of bowl thing that they have on the 2a level or whatever he had an interception in that like you know all-star game basically I think that's very indicative of just you know even against the best of the best competition into a he's still able to make plays i mean it was a double tipped bobble diving interception that he made and that's just the kind of hustle that he has to his game and you know the kind of intensity that he can bring to any football program and is must see football Caden donovan for defensive playmaker of the year he also had an interception in the blue gray all-american game this uh, last week Hey, yeah, so shout out to him. No, shout out to all these finalists. Honestly, this was a tough list, and I think it's only going to get tougher, you know. But all these guys definitely deserve to win. I mean, Giovanni Mendoza, he won games for his team as a cornerback, which you don't, that just doesn't happen, you know. Cody Connor coming off that torn meniscus, that's absolutely insane. Ryan Dirksen. Uh, two-peating or repeating, not two-peating, repeating with Eden and doing his thing and stepping up when uh, Morgan Trebet had to come off uh, because I know he did struggle with some injury issues this year. And so all these guys are super deserving. Um, and also some of these guys that, you know, were in consideration of this were super deserving as well. But congratulations to Caden Donovan out of Severance. Now, Mason, Cody, is there anything else you want to add before we... Take a break and then talk about MVP this year. No, I think I think I'm good. Alright. Sounds good. Coming up next, most valuable playmaker of the year on the 2A level.
What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner podcast. This is our 2A end of the year award show, episode 95. And we're going to talk about the most valuable playmaker of the year finalists here. I feel like I shouldn't have to say what this means, but basically, you know, MVP, right? And so I'm going to go ahead and talk about the first finalist here, and that is senior university quarterback Greg Garza on the year. He had 2,589 passing yards, 27 passing touchdowns, nine interceptions. Also had 404 rushing, or sorry, 404 rushing yards and 17 rushing touchdowns on the year. I believe he had 42 total touchdowns. Um, I want to say these passing yards and maybe the touchdowns also led to a in those two categories. And then the 42 total touchdowns, I want to say, led to a in total touchdowns as well. And so that's Greg Garza. You know, I'm just going to be honest with you. He lit it up this season. He was a big reason why university was uh, making the run. And, you know, I did do a university spotlight really early on in the season. I said, hey, if this university team could get it going with Greg Garza and his receivers, shout out to them, by the way, um, Logan Getting, Tate Chacon, uh, Cannon Padilla, all those guys, you know, but if he could get it going, this is a dangerous team, you know, and I said they would be a dark horse team if they could get it going, and that kind of depends on Greg Garza. And you know, Greg Garza, he proved me right. You know, he turned it up this season with multiple big games against Manitou Springs, who they beat 43-0. He did, though, for 195 passing yards, four passing touchdowns, did throw one interception, though. Um, had eight yards on the ground, so nothing too crazy there. But against Eden, the first time around, uh, you know, he had a very solid performance against them. Now, I don't think it'll show necessarily on the stat line, but he did go 12 of 22 for 190 passing yards. Did throw one interception, though, but he would rush for two rushing touchdowns in that game. You know, a lot of his passes were wide. University was able to control the clock and, you know, move the ball well against a very tough Eden defense uh, in in, uh, in their own stadium. Uh, well, in University Stadium. And then they would go back to Eden to face off with them in the playoffs here. In that game, he threw for the most passing yards in his last game of his high school career. He won 25 of 42 for 382 passing yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. One of those interceptions was kind of a Hail Mary at the end of a half. And then the other one would end up sealing that game. But he would also run uh, for 30 yards and two rushing touchdowns in that game against Eden, where they just came up short um, of going to state. And so Greg Garza, you know, he did his thing. He, I wouldn't necessarily say carried this university team, but he was a big reason why they were as successful as they were this year. Also, big shout out to him, man. There's a real nice guy, big fan of the podcast and whatnot. You know, he uh, did tell us uh, a couple of times throughout the playoffs how he appreciated us, you know, supporting them as the dark horses because they did upset um, two other teams in Delta and Moffitt County leading to their, you know, showdown with Eden one more time in Eden, by the way. And, you know, um, Moffitt County, they had a um, they had a uh, playmaker of their own over there, 
Cody, do you want to go ahead and talk about this Moffat County star over there? That's only a junior. I would be delighted to. You know, I think that this guy, I'm pretty sure he won a playmaker of the week at some point during the season because he went on a tear. I'm talking about, as Simon alluded to, Moffat County's own Evan Atkin, who I'm pretty sure led the state in touchdowns that weren't a quarterback with 29 rushing touchdowns this year, as well as three receiving touchdowns on the offensive side of the ball. He was unstoppable, basically, you know, running for 1,341 yards, as well as catching another 336 yards. So, you know, you're looking at nearly 1,700 yards of scrimmage and over 30 touchdowns, which is just absurd, you know, for any one player, you know, on in Colorado football. And then on the defensive side of the ball, you know, he was also a contributor there. So being able to play both ways is obviously super important to us here at Playmakers Corner for MVP candidates. And on the defensive side of the ball, he had 58 tackles, three and a half for loss, two sacks and two interceptions. So, you know, at that linebacker spot, he was kind of able to do it all. But, you know, talking about this year, Oh my lord, he was just a monster. Um, there every game he ran for a touchdown. Every game, at least one. And you know, only twice did he only run for two for a single touchdown in a game. The rest of the games he ran at least two touchdowns. I'm just gonna go through the list here and go: Northfield three touchdowns, Steamboat Springs three touchdowns, win and win by the way. Rollins two touchdowns, Kennedy. Three touchdowns and a win. Basalt, three touchdowns and a win. I think that's when he actually won Playmaker of the Week, I want to say. Um, because, you know, that was a huge game for both of these teams. I believe both went in undefeated or only with one loss. And Moffat County came out with a dub against a very good Basalt team, in my opinion. Then four touchdowns against Rifle, who was the champions last year. Then beating Aspen, four touchdowns. In a loss to Delta... He ran for only a single touchdown. In a big win against Cole Ridge, he ran for five. And in a loss to University, he ran for touchdowns. This Moffat County team came and went with Evan Atkin. You know, he was the, you know, MVP of this team at the bare minimum, as you could tell by their only two losses being the games where he only runs for one touchdown, which is crazy. Um... As far as receiving goes, you know, he had a massive receiving game against Rifle in particular, where he caught for over 115 yards and a, a pass-catching touchdown, putting his total at five on the day. Maybe that's when he won Playmaker of the Week. I mean, he was honestly a candidate, like, every single week and, you know, helped this Moffat County team be pretty dang legit. And, you know, on his film, he's a great back. He's very strong. He stiff arms people into the ground all the time, like, straight up, you know, he stiff arms players so hard that their parents don't want to talk about that play after the game kind of level stiff arm. So, you know, he's a dog like that. Very strong, hard to tackle. There's one play where I, I'm pretty sure seven people get their hands on him or try and hit him and he stays standing and breaks off a long run. Just an explosive big play threat who I would not be surprised to see him here two years in a row as a candidate. But with all that being said, I'm going to pass it off to Mason to talk about another player from that university squad. Two guys from that university squad who are MVP candidates for Most Valuable Playmaker. Mason? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and talk about Kenan Padilla, uh, defensive back from University High School. 
He had 177 rushing yards, one rushing touchdown. But then he had 892 receiving yards with 11 receiving touchdowns. That is uh, pretty good for a wide receiver. And then on the defensive side, he had 78 total tackles with eight interceptions. Uh, 55 of those tackles being solo tackles. And he also caused one fumble. Um, He definitely gets it done. They don't have his specific games on here that he got it everything done. So there's not a lot I can say when it comes to that. But he did end up uh, getting it done for the kicking and punt returning. Uh, he got 368 yards this year and a long of 91. So that's pretty good. Uh, he did not get a touchdown, but 91 yards is an insane kick return. So there's not a lot I could say because they don't have, you know, specific games or anything, but he definitely played for an, a great university squad and he definitely was a huge part in one of the reasons that they were winning. I'm going to pass this back to Simon to go ahead and talk about our last um, most valuable playmaker. All right. And I'm going to go ahead and talk about um, our last finalist here. That is Resurrection Christian's very own, uh, by the way, athlete is what I'm going to go ahead and uh, label him as, Eddie Lemos. He played quarterback for this team. Um, yeah, he played quarterback for this team, even though it probably wasn't playing super early on. And then obviously he did play a bit of defense as well. But let me talk about his offensive stats first. You know, on the year, he had 418 passing yards, four passing touchdowns. Also had 1,431 rushing yards and 22 rushing touchdowns. Obviously, that's a, I mean, I don't know. That's really hard to do at the quarterback position. So you just got to keep that in mind. And also, excuse me, sorry, he had seven passing touchdowns if i wasn't mistaken well I, I was mistaken so just keep that in mind not do seven passing touchdowns so there you go there now on the defensive side of the ball you know he still did his thing there were a couple games here where he was a little bit banged up so he just played offense but he still had 36 total tackles on the year which is pretty solid also had three interceptions this season as well as he was doing it all for this resurrection christian team that was surging you know throughout the regular season and in the playoffs obviously they lost the brush who would end up going to state but overall eddie lemos overall eddie lemos was a big reason why this resurrection team was uh just able to do as well as they could you know they did lose their quarterback in the offseason and whatnot and so for eddie to come in here and do his thing that is absolutely huge i'm just gonna say this right now we are actually probably gonna do a wildcat quarterback slash running quarterback top five list to add it on to our seniors list of this year and eddie lemos will for sure be on there um you know because he's just an athlete and you know that that list will also, hopefully help out guys who um, just are athletes and play positions like Eddie Lemos here. But with that being said, let me go ahead and talk about, well, let me talk about the fan vote here because it was pretty close here. It went to Greg Garza. He got 39% of the fan vote, which was really good. And so Greg Garza is your fan 
MVP award winner. So there you go. And then right behind him was his teammate, Kanan Padilla, from University at 35%. So that's a really, really close margin there if you look at that. I mean, you could argue it both ways. But, you know, Greg Garza, he did his thing on offense. Kanan Padilla, he did his thing on offense and defense as well. So there you go there. Um, Eddie Lemos is right behind with 23%. And then Evan Atkin at 3%. Um, pretty sure we couldn't find Evan Atkin on any of his socials. So if you do find him, you should uh, send him our way because we'd love to connect with him. So there you go there. I'm going to go ahead and talk about who I voted for here. I'm going to go ahead and vote for Greg Garza. Look, I mean, he was an absolute beast. You know, obviously defensively, you could always do your thing there, but on offense, Especially when you're an offense built like University, you need a quarterback to step up when you need him. He made a lot of big throws in that Eden game. You know, there was a time where he went blow for blow with Walker Martin in that first half. You know, they were just trading touchdowns. And arguably, that might have been one of the best quarterback duels of the entire season in all of Colorado, if I'm being completely honest with you. And for Greg Garza to keep up and do his thing against a fierce and extremely tough Eden defense in Eden, by the way, which was rocking after pretty much every 50-yard touchdown pass, that's pretty insane. Um, and I'm just going to throw this memory out there as well. Greg Garza had a very Johnny Manziel-esque kind of play where Morgan Trebet and Ryan Dirksen were both crashing down on him. He spun out of both of their tackles. And then he, like, shook off, like, someone's hand. I don't know if it was Lucas Cass or somebody on the defensive line that I was pushing as well. But he spun out of those tackles from two excellent defensive ends, rolled out to his left, which, by the way, he's a righty, and then went ahead and threw an absolute dot to a wide-open receiver to keep that drive alive, which would end up with a touchdown in that scoring of Flurry early on in that game. And so that's why I'm voting for Greg Garza as the most valuable playmaker. Cody or Mason, do you want to talk about your picks for MVP? I'll talk about it. No, I want to talk about it, so. Why? I don't know. <laughs> Go ahead, Cody. Go for it. Go yeah, for that's it. what I thought. Anyways, um, I'm, going, I'm going to be the third and uh, basically gavel-slamming vote here. For Greg Garza, I mean, look, the dude scored 44 touchdowns. There's not a whole lot you could say after that, you know, between running and passing the football. Good God, that's so many touchdowns. I mean, there's maybe, I want to say like, maybe six players in the entire state who had over 40 total touchdowns, all being quarterbacks, and they're all elite, elite playmakers here and greg garza is one of those guys and is my vote for playmaker of the year slash most valuable playmaker on this 2a level there's just nothing that he couldn't do and yeah no he he balled out so mason you want to talk about yours and anthony's votes here yeah no i'll go right ahead and i'll just say that anthony and i both picked you know greg garza to go ahead and make it unanimous. Um, there's nothing that hasn't been said. Woo! This dude's an absolute dog. So, you know, congratulations, Greg Garza and everyone else that's on this list. You guys were deserving of it as well. You just had to go up against the juggernaut. So, 
Yep. I mean, I'm just going to be honest with you. If it didn't rain in Eden, and basically for that entire fourth quarter, which almost never happens, because it was literally <laughs> at the start of it, and then right when the game ended, it stopped raining, basically. Um, University might have uh, been able to go to state. They were a lot closer than I think um, the scoreboard showed against Eden in that game. You know, Eden, I mean, they're Eden, so they're going to control the ball well, and they're going to play good football in general. But Greg Garza, I mean, man, did he lit it up. And he was he was trying for that, you know, fantastic senior story here. But unfortunately, he just came short. But doesn't matter. He does win MVP here. You know, he just had an excellent season. And, you know, he's somebody that might make our top five senior list. I'm just going to be honest here for quarterbacks, which um, would be a first because we never had somebody below the 3A level make our top five senior quarterback list. So, uh, so yeah. But, Cody, Mason, is there anything else you want to add on here before we move on here? Oh, one more thing. I'm just going to go ahead and go over all the winners real quick. So, congratulations to all these guys. Newcomer of the year. Um yeah, newcomer of the year. Sorry, I almost forgot. Ty Reed, offensive playmaker of the year. Kate Palmer, defensive playmaker of the year. Caden Donovan, and then most valuable playmaker of the year on the two-way level in this 2021 season. Greg Garza from University. Now, is there anything else that you, Mason, or Cody want to add on as we wrap this thing up? i just like to say shout out to everybody that voted on our polls. Um, y'all are killing it, and we're going to keep posting them for every every division. So let's uh, get those numbers up even more. Yes. No. Yeah, I appreciate the uh, fan engagement on our Twitter and just overall support you guys bring. You know, just listening to our podcast, whether it be on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, or Apple Podcasts, you know, following us and subscribing so that you get notifications on new episodes and you know following us on social media and retweeting these polls on twitter at playmaker corner or you know seeing that we're posting those polls when we share it to our instagram story at playmakers corner or if you see it through facebook on playmakers corner because our stories share through to both and you know also we appreciate you guys going to our tiktok and watching the tiktoks that we've been making for our top five playmakers of the senior class for our you know award show episodes shout out to simon for killing those by the way those have been clutch and yeah just in general uh thank you for all the support and we are actually recording this on christmas eve and it'll be coming out on monday so happy belated christmas and uh, happy holidays from us here at the playmakers corner Thank you so much for listening to this award show. Stay tuned for our 3A, 4A, and 5A award show, as well as the rest of our top fives coming out. And, you know, we uh, we had a really long meeting about all of our content for the next year, so stay tuned. We have so much more for you guys and can't wait. But, well, we should probably say this right now, but, uh, you know, you should uh, go ahead and follow our YouTube channel. I don't. I think you actually said that. But also, because we are also looking to probably stream, live stream on that sooner than later. Uh, on on those live streams, we'll probably take requests there and do film breakdowns live so that you can see our process, see how we go through it, at least in its rawest form, since, um, you know, we're not going to spend, like, 
an hour on each player. But there you go there. And then uh, hopefully maybe Twitch as well in this next year. But be on the lookout for that. So, yeah. I've been your co-host, Simon Villanos, a.k.a. Coach V. I'm your other co-host, Mason Austin. I've seen you. I was, well, that was a game of chicken that we just played. But anyways, I am uh, the other co-host, Cody Stauffer. Thank you so much. Happy holidays and uh, happy new year. No, you'll hear from us before the new year. This is our last live recording before the new year. No, it's not, because me and Mason haven't recorded next week's episode yet. So, yeah. listen to that episode coming up later this week, and Happy New Year's. Boom.